Hi, everyone. This is Dawn Richard, also known as The Awakening with Dawn, and this is the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, where we share stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. I am super, super honored today to introduce my guest, Sarah Cunningham, one of the most conscious women I have ever met. <laughs> um, Sarah is a certified holistic psychotherapist. She, she's a woman of many talents and skills. Uh, she combines the evidence-based practices of psychotherapy with the healing benefits of the ancient wisdom of yoga, including mindfulness, meditation, pranayama, breath, and asana movement. Sarah works with individuals in one-on-one therapy, as well as with small and large groups for trainings, classes, and workshops. She also guides corporate health and wellness programming and offers a variety of didactic presentations for organizations looking to incorporate mindfulness into their systems. She's a proud Lululemon ambassador and teaches eight classes, my gosh, (laughs) Uh, at the new Lincoln Park store in Chicago each week. Those classes include Power Plus Pose, Yoga Sculpt, and Meditation. Her schedule can be found on her Instagram page at Sarah C. Wellness and the highlights or on her website at www.sarahcunningham.com. Welcome, Sarah. (laughs) Thank you so much, Dawn. It's great to be here. (laughs) (laughs) When you hear all that, or do you ever go, wow, do I really do all that stuff? (laughs) But yes, I love it. Every single bit of that work, I feel is my life's purpose. Yeah, Yeah. you can tell you're so passionate about it. Thank you. Yeah. And, um, you know, passion, in my opinion, um, is a direct uh, link to our purpose. And these things work in unison with one another. And I am so proud to be able to live and work in my life's purpose and passion. That's amazing. I'm going to I'm going to ask you about your passion because when I saw, you know, when I was finding more, out more about you, my passion is dance and I saw that you danced for the Giordano's Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you about it. Thank you for asking. <laughs> So um, I believe that your perception shapes your reality Uh and the things that you tell yourself ultimately shape the life that you live. Mm -hmm. And I had subconsciously told myself for much of my life that I was a bad dancer or that I wasn't a dancer. And the real truth of it is, is that dance brings me so much joy. Yay, me too. (laughs) And so when Giordano reached out to me and asked me to be one of their stars, I freaked out, of course. Um, Then when I stepped away from it, I saw it as an opportunity to challenge that old irrational belief and to be able to say in a very proud way, I am a dancer. And I (laughs) now saying, yeah, I I feel that I am a dancer um, and I'm just so proud of having done it. And I'm also happy to have it behind me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what was the experience like for you? It was, um, 
Wow. So I believe that every challenge is an opportunity. And this was such an opportunity for me because I saw myself under a microscope that I am so much more um, of a perfectionist than I ever thought. And I'm not competitive, but I, wow, when I do something, I want to do it perfect. And in my uh, conscious mind, in my deeper wisdom, I know there's no such thing as perfection. And to except see, except the essence of us. Uh, oh, I love that. That's really beautifully said, Don. Yeah, I have many things I want to say about that. I mind eight different places. Um, yeah, and so I learned how to be more conscious of the choices and the decisions that I make that rob me of joy, um, of passion when I'm getting lost in the product being perfect. Uh And so it actually took me right up until the day of the performance to release some of that pressure. And when I released it, Wow. Was that not one of the best days of my life? We had so much fun. My dance partner is a phenomenal young man and he was really there to support me and empower me. And um, then ultimately all the friends and the family and the clients and students and everybody just came out of the woodwork to support me. And it felt, felt so, so good. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much for asking about that. <laughs> I usually like to start off with something fun. Yeah. <laughs> the totally deep stuff. Like Absolutely. Your essence being perfection. Mm, yes. Okay, so I believe that we all are born in this perfect way, right? Yes. That we're all born with this innate expertise and wisdom. Mm-hmm. And yet, because of the way that we live our lives, because of the way our culture exists today, we've forgotten that. Yes. And so we're disconnected from that essence, from that perfection, from that wisdom. And the work that I feel is my life's purpose is to remind people to empower the tools and the skills that are so innately within us to become reconnected inward to our wisdom so that we can activate a life in truth. Mm -hmm. Because when we show up in our truth, our responsibility, right, to be here in our own essence, then we bring something unique. And when we're in that essence, we're in that free flow of remembering our truth. Mm -hmm. We show up in a way that lights up the world. Mm -hmm. And when I light up the world, the person next to me lights up and then they light up the person next to them. And then we have a movement, a movement of light and positivity and energy. Yeah. So many positive things come from that. So it's like, it's like if you dim your light, you're not shining anything on to anybody. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's why, I mean, I, I have said, this is why I resonate so much with you, Sarah, because, oh. because everything that you just said, like, I remember when I was probably 25, I used to journal a lot and 
I can't remember if like I had just been introduced to Louise Hay and Wayne Dyer, you know, all of those thinkers mm-hmm. um, that I was writing. We are here to remember our truth. Oh, stop. That we come from love and our whole life is about remembering that because all these things um, in, that happen to us in our life sort of disconnect and, and put blocks and limitations on us remembering that truth. And yes. so our whole life is spent trying to return to love. Yes. And our, and our light and our truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so often I think what's happening is people are searching outside of themselves. Yeah. And what it is, is it's, it's, it's in us. Yeah. It's about remembering and removing the barriers that stand in the way of, of remembering and knowing that. And that's beautiful because so, so often, especially with love, people are, are frightened they're scared of making themselves vulnerable to open up to it because then they might lose it. It's about losing it. But once you realize in your essence that you can't ever lose it because it lives within you. Right. And you're free to love unconditionally without fear. Yeah. That you can just show up because there's not, there's not, uh, yeah, there's not something to gain or lose. It's just like, to me, it's like the love within you just expands. Mm-hmm. Like when, you know, when you have, when you have children, I know you, you don't have children, right? No, children. no, but when you have children, you have your first child and you say, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how much I could love this, you know, little being. And I have three kids And so the second one, you go, oh, I couldn't possibly love, you know, I I don't have more love. No, it's like we, we have an unlimited capacity to love. Yes. And, and so when you show up, I mean, I think that's why this, your work is so great because you show up with your light and your passion and your love and your connection and your sense of building a community and sharing your wisdom it really like I'm just getting goosebumps all over my body as I'm saying this (laughs) 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 that that uh, you just changed the world Mm. yes it's (laughs) all of us doing it right one light at a time um one you know, da- damn empowered light at a time. Isn't that what you wrote? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've been told I'm intense. <laughs> Maybe a little in a good way though. In a good way. <laughs> so how, how do you do this with the people you work with? Because your background is so diverse, which I also love about you because, you know, people, tend to be afraid to sort of step out of these roles that they have, you know, told themselves they are like sort of stuck in this little box. But it feels to me that you just continually expand and break these barriers for yourself. Mm. Yeah, thank you. That's a nice frame of it. Um, I do think for some time I had some of that inner judgment and dialogue that said, you know, gosh, Sarah, can you just like stick with one thing for a little while? (laughs) Um, 
<laughs> but no, my truth is, is that I absolutely love change and am deeply inspired and enlivened by change. Yeah. And so there has been a thread, which is therapy, therapeutic work. Mm-hmm. Um, since I was young, I knew I wanted to be a therapist and so by, by, a, by the way, she just told me she picked up a Jungian book about dream analysis at age nine. <laughs> that blows my mind. <laughs> it's true. I, I was so deeply interested in people and thinking and functioning in relationships right from the get go. It's uh-huh. really wild. And then having said that in wanting to work therapeutically, I also knew I wanted to work in an experiential modality. Uh And so I was always attracted to getting off the couch somehow. And so that took me to Utah doing wilderness therapy. It took me to Michigan doing um, adventure experiential therapy. Um, And then ultimately it led me to my yoga mat. And where I learned that yoga is deeply therapeutic Mm -hmm. and I did my own work on and off of my uh, yoga mat. And so all of these experiences in my life ultimately shaped who I was as a person. And then that who I am as a person is the same as who I am as a professional. Mm -hmm. And so then came the evolution of my private practice uh, in working with um, various populations, including young children, uh, families and teenagers, to working with adults and young adults um, in a traditional and yet non-traditional manner on a yoga mat, off of a yoga mat, um, and in this way developed my own uh, technique of threading together evidence-based psychotherapy, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, um, CBT, the way that we can be conscious of our thoughts and our belief systems and how those things impact the choices that we make both subconsciously and consciously, and then uh, empowered those evidence-based tools with the ancient, unbelievable wisdom of yoga, which gives us you know, pranayama, the way that we breathe, mindfulness, meditation, movement, asana, that allows us to open up into what I believe are four realms, four realms that occur in any given moment, and they are the physical. The physical body is so wise, and it is always talking to us. Mm -hmm. I like to teach my clients that if they learn to listen to their body's whisper, they don't have to hear them scream. Mm -hmm. It's a big set of tools. And then the next is the emotional. So in any given moment, we're having emotions about what's happening within us, what's happening physical, what's going on in my breath. And so helping people to understand and identify what is the emotion, what is the context of the emotion, uh, the variety of emotions going on. Um, and then the cognitive, which you heard me say, um, is the you know experience of the thoughts that we're having about any given thing. And then finally, the spiritual. And when I say spiritual, what I mean is, yes, a connection to something outside of us, which could be God, it could be universe, whatever it is you believe. And yet it's also something that gives us purpose, that enlivens the passion in any given moment. 
we are being fed information in these four realms. And the more that we wake up to this wisdom, the more conscious we can be less disconnected with automatic reactions. And we learn how to respond instead. And this is the tool. This is the skill set. These are the tools that I empower my clients with in our work. And did your, um, did your trip to India bring all of this together for you? Mm. Oh, India. Wow. What an amazing experience it is to travel to India. Um, you know, I feel like, yes, it, that, that, that is true because I did a lot of work myself personally. Uh Um, my personal experience is that I have, um, dealt with anxiety for a good part of my life. Um, and was, was there a cause for that? I feel like I was born anxious. <laughs> um, it's something that is in my family. My mother and my sister both um, have anxiety. My father is a Vietnam vet who stepped on a landmine and almost oh died. Gosh. Lost a leg and um, a couple fingers. And so wow. he, in, in my professional opinion, has PTSD and it's untreated. And so there is, there is anxiety that exists in my family system. Uh-huh. Um, and so I don't necessarily feel like anxiety is something that like kind of comes or goes. It's just, it's something that you develop, you have a relationship with. And so I've, I've, I've learned to have a relationship with my anxiety and it was on my yoga mat that, um, I looked into the mirror of myself and of my truth because our yoga mats are mirrors. They reflect back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our, our, our truth. And so, um, I was dealing with panic and panic attacks, uh, related to agoraphobia and claustrophobia. And I was living in Colorado at the time and was in the middle of nowhere. And it was when I was camping and hiking and out places where it would have taken days to find a resource if something went wrong. And I started to panic. Uh And um, that was one of the reasons why I moved to Chicago, because I was feeling really very trapped by some of the thoughts and by the symptoms of my anxiety. And so when I came to Chicago, I explored yoga and it was on my yoga mat um, that I learned that my breath was um, the thing that was driving me towards the panic and symptomology and also the thing that set me free. Uh And so getting back to India, India was gigantic CBT exposure for me because CBT is thinking um, and being conscious and restructuring the thoughts, but it's also exposure. It's putting yourself in a situation where you can then actually challenge in the moment, is this rational or irrational? So yoga is also this, but India was the biggest exposure I had had up to that point. And so I stepped completely out of my comfort zone. And in the traveling so far, uh, in the going in the airplane in that tiny little spot where I had claustrophobia, uh-huh. I learned that I could breathe. I learned that I had the tools within me to navigate that, that I wasn't a prisoner anymore. Um, and I was a prisoner because traveling is a huge part of who I am. And I had stopped doing it because of the anxiety. And so in India, so much of what I'm sharing with my clients became, um, lived. 
it became, it moved from theory to, um, to embodying. Yes, exactly. So the answer is yes. Very long answer is yes. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's, I mean, I guess because I'm a dancer, I have really, I have always had, you know, good body awareness, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, and I know that you have talked about this, that there is this big disconnect between people and their bodies and their emotions. And, you know, I think, I think that people lack the awareness. Nobody's really taught this, right? Correct. So one, like, how do people even recognize that they're having this disconnect with their bodies and emotions? Mm -hmm. And then secondly, how do you get them to move from this awareness to, okay, now this is what we're going to do about it to help you? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I talk about how these tools and skills are used in two different ways. One, um, they're, it's about using them in what I call the Olympics. And so the Olympics are a big deal, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's not the, the, the most challenging. No, and, no uh, pressure, no pressure. Right, no pressure at all. You know, <laughs> the Olympics, right? Um, so the Olympics are the big conversations that we have to have with our bosses or our family, our loved ones, right? Uh, the Olympics, it, it, it is, um, you know, giving a big presentation in front of a whole room of people um, when we're out of our comfort zone, right? Mm-hmm. It's doing these big things and it you just know it's big because he's talking to to your heart's talking to your spirituality, all those things are happening. And so you can utilize these tools in the Olympics, but you don't just show up to the Olympics. I mean, maybe some people do, but no, you train, right? And so these tools are used as training. So on a daily basis, let's say five to 10 minutes a day of tapping into the tools and the techniques as practice so that you are then creating the strength, the pathways, the resources to be readily available so that when you're in the Olympics, you can perform at your most optimal level. Mm-hmm. And so they have value in that way in the Olympics, but they also have value as practice. But every single time you do them, you're going to feel some sort of benefit in that way. So it's the regular ongoing practice that helps people to wake up to these different pathways. Every time you become conscious of the breathing, every time you start to explore, oh, wow, you know, I do have a physical sensation here. Every time I talk about, you know, my boss or I feel that my breathing is restricted every time I have anger. And there are all sorts of techniques and practices that um, I share with my clients so they can actually really visually, um, you know, cognitively um, audible, explore and tap back into these tools. It's the brain has, is a muscle just like, you know, in the arm, right? right. And so when you practice the techniques, the more you practice it, the more you practice it, the more readily accessible these things become uh, in our day to day. And then ultimately in the challenges that we face in the Olympics. And do you, do you think that it's like, uh, because I know, you know, there's, there are, 
people say things about your monkey mind, you know, yeah. spinning miles, you know, a million miles a minute. And so this breathing and yoga, I mean, I do yoga as well. And I know I, I actually haven't done it in like seven months because I hurt my wrist and I'm like, I need to get back to yoga. <laughs> you know, it's it when I when I do the practice, it's like you be, you get out of that monkey mind and you become more an observer. You can be sort of detached of what's going on within you so that you have this sense of peace and awareness of oh, that's kind of interesting. I wonder what's going on with that. Mm, yeah, totally. Um, you're describing what I would call the, the yoga glow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't know it had a name. <laughs> <laughs> I, I call it that. <laughs> you need your yoga practice and you're just like, yeah, man, life's good. <laughs> or, right. And I feel it's funny because yoga is um, an umbrella term uh -huh. for, for the eight limbed path. And there are these limbs that fall off of the umbrella that actually make up yoga. And asana is the movement. Asana is down dog, up dog, you know, chaturanga, all of these different uh -huh. things. And asana is only one of the beautiful um, limbs of yoga. And I, I call it sort of the gateway, like the gateway drug to get into the umbrella of yoga because people leave their yoga mats feeling that glow and they feel so good. Uh -huh. And then after a while, you start to realize, huh, there's something else going on here that is making me feel this this way. Mm -hmm. And it is the other limbs and how they work their way into the asana. Um, the breathing, the awareness, the mindfulness is really ultimately the embodiment of the self. Yeah, it's just a whole way of being. That's what yoga is, right? It's the whole way of being, how you show up in the world, how you treat yourself, how you treat other people, how you connect um, with the divine, <laughs> uh, you know, your, that spirituality, how you connect um, internally with your body and emotions. And um, it's really it's so funny because I think so many people are, one, either think, oh, yoga is so wimpy, you know, because you're not really doing much. Mm -hmm. but they don't realize the impact of that presence, how it transforms everything else in your life. Yeah, totally. Well, the one thing I hear all the time from people is, um, oh, I'm not flexible enough to do yoga. Uh -huh. And that's like saying you're too dirty to take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And it, it, it's, it's, it's lovely, you know, and again, in another um, example of how the mind, the perception shapes the reality, uh, Baron Baptiste, who's the father of power yoga, says, shift your gaze and you'll shift, shift your reality. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what you focus on is, is, is what your reality becomes. Right. And so if I tell myself that, you know, um, I don't know. Yoga is for weak people, which it's not. I got some good. Oh my God. I know. I look at your pictures. <laughs> I'm like, 
I won't say what I thought, but <laughs> I'm like, damn, girl. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. It always makes me laugh, actually, when I get um, people into yoga for the first time that just have no idea. And they look at me afterward and go, whoa. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So, um, yeah, I think there are a lot of different um, beliefs that can stand in the way of people really going to their yoga mats. And also what can happen too is that people go to their yoga mats and then they look into the mirror of their yoga mats and they see things that maybe they're not quite ready to see. And, you know, I like to think about our yoga mats and our practice like a city lake where on a beautiful, windy Chicago day, the lake is just stunning. And then uh, let's say the, the wind, it dies down and then the surface of the lake becomes very calm. And then we can look down into the lake and go, ew. (laughs) what is all that muck down there (laughs) if you have ever kayaked the chicago river it's like that experience where it's like whoa wow this is pretty disgusting yeah and so what do we do we then churn the water back up again and so it looks beautiful again i don't have to see all of my junk i just turn it up And that's what so many people do when they get to their yoga mat um, is that sometimes they see things and they don't like it. And this is one of the reasons why Shavasana, the last part of class where you're laying there, can be so difficult for people because the water, the surface calms. And so there's always, again, the yoga mat being a mirror, there will always be something throughout the yoga practice that will be, um, you know, eye-opening. And it's a matter of whether or not we can um, sustain and withstand attention and awareness so that we can then ultimately be curious and say, oh, instead of like, that's disgusting, I don't want to see it anymore, go, huh, I wonder why that's there. Can I do some exploration on it so that once I understand it, it ultimately is just gone. It doesn't cause me pain or strife. And I, and I think... Uh, I think that's also the beauty of Shavasana is, you know, it's palms up, you know, opening yourself up to the universe Mm -hmm. and you're not doing anything. You are just being Mm -hmm. right. You're surrendering to all that is Mm -hmm. and you just be. And just being is, I think, one of the most vulnerable things that humans can do to open up. Like think even the heart is in a cage, quite literally in a cage. And when you open up and you lead with the heart, it's exceptionally vulnerable. I mean, even physically. Um, And so it takes practice to be able to experience that when I lay here, when I open, when I lead with my heart, wow, it actually feels really good. And no one stabbed me, right? Yeah. No one stepped on me. Yeah. Nothing terrible happened or actually maybe something did happen and I jumped and I got nervous, but then I realized, oh, it was okay. All I needed to do was to breathe and remember that I was okay. And that worked for me. Okay. I'll be more likely to do it again future right yeah i i think because so many people 
you know, you have so, so much noise around you, you know, that, that, that causes sort of the, the fear and the disconnection and that sense of, oh, I need to protect myself and do and, you know, sort of fight my way out of situations or whatever. And it's, it's so, it is so challenging to just be open hearted like we were when we came into the world. Well, absolutely. And we are reactive uh-huh. in that our present uh, reality is based on something that's already happened in our past. Mm-hmm. And so we have all of these automatic pathways that have been paved of walking, 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 walking on those same paths for years. So they're well worn. We don't even have to think about it. We just walk on the path. Uh And when we wake up to the present moment, we then do what I call practice the pause. We push the pause button rather than walking right away down that path and reacting and can say, Oh, I wonder if that's actually the best choice for me here. Mm-hmm. Could I choose something else? Mm-hmm. And then we consciously respond by choosing an alternative path. But that innately, primitively, is so against what we're wired to do, right? If something worked for you once and you didn't die or you got a meal and you got home safe, you did it again and you did it again and you did it again. Right. And so pausing and trying something else it feels very strongly like it's incorrect. And when we feel that strong, incorrect in the body and the mind and the heart and the soul, we say bad and we go back to the old path. But this work is about being able to pause and say, well, okay, is the bad just the fact that I'm out of my comfort zone and it's a different path or is it actually bad? And then I'm empowered to choose. Yeah, until you until you create these different neural pathways to say, uh, you know, non judgment, right? More like investigate, explore, ask the questions, be uh, be with it, be with the questions for a while, and sometimes for a long while, mm-hmm. until you receive, until you surrender and open yourself up to receiving uh, inspiration and the answers that you need. Yes. And you just explained the concept of the Olympics and practicing for the Olympics, right? Because when you practice, 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 and you create those neural pathways repetitively, then ultimately when you're in that challenge, you have a free flow of those new resources and techniques that allow you to respond skillfully. I hear from people oftentimes uh, in my own work, but also in others' podcasts and um, you know resources online, that what yoga gave them was calm, mm-hmm. or that yoga made me kind of less of a jerk, you know. And I believe that it's because of what you just described—those neural pathways, those new responses that feel much more um, effective. And, and how do you think, how do you think that doing this practice affects your relationship with yourself and your relationship with others? Mm, I love this question. (sighs) So many different ways to respond. Mm 
I have come back to myself and in my truth and I've learned to love myself Mm. and in the doing of that I've opened up to my truth and my passion. And so when I'm in that state of love and passion and purpose, I bring that to my life and ultimately into my relationships. And when I see my truth, when I see my essence, I honor it and have so much respect for it. And so I, I really, I talk about this is where I end and where the world begins, that this is kind of like my bubble. Uh-huh. And I have worked real hard and I continue to work really hard to understand this place. And I see so much that I love. And it's like cleaning your house and spending like all day on cleaning and shining and making everything beautiful. I'm not going to let someone with some muddy boots go walking into my place, right? Right, right. And so in my understanding of myself, the love and the respect, I'm also much more conscious of what comes into my space and what I would like to not be in my space. Mm -hmm. And so I've gotten really good about communication, but ultimately understanding And so often we take things from the world and others, especially in our close relationships, into our space. And because it's in there and it's like gross or not ours or just stinks or just sucks, you know, it feels bad. Mm -hmm. And so then we get reactive and we get all those old paths we talked about that are so easy to walk on because we're triggered. They're there right in front of our faces and it makes things hard. But when I can love and respect, I can easily say, well, that's while I have empathy for your stuff, stuff. Your, muddy, not, your muddy shoes, your muddy shoes. And wow, that's a bummer. You're having to walk around with all those muddy shoes and I don't want them in my space. Mm-hmm. So I have learned in understanding and in communication how to show up in a way that's not only good for me, but is also good for the people that I know and love. Because when we set boundaries, it's one of the most loving things that we can do. Mm-hmm. Because I might be reacting or feeling yucky and responding in old ways to them, which might ultimately push them away or hurt them. But if I can say, hey, listen, the muddy shoes are in my place. Can you please leave them at the door? The person has the opportunity to show up and take the shoes off. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately, um, I have found my relationships that I have lost some friends. Um, I have started to understand the value of my time and the activities in which I choose and the people who I choose to surround myself with. Mm-hmm. And so consequently, I feel like my space is just sparkling And I get to bring that space like a turtle. We're all like turtles. We have our homes, our spaces on our backs all the time. Uh Bring that space with me every single day. Uh And consequently, I I do feel like we are energetic creatures. And we put out that love and we put out that respect into the world. That's what's going to be attracted and come to us. So I find myself in the middle of the most amazing relationship, romantic relationship I've ever had. Um, Right now? Yeah. Oh. It blows my mind, actually. I can't believe I just said that out loud. 
Tell me how it's different from your previous relationship. So much of it is because of this, that Uh I know what I like and what I don't like. And it's gotten so simple. I know what's mine and what's not mine. And if something feels off, I can stop and say, hey, listen, you know what? That feels, you know. Yucky. Yeah, totally. And like you go and you, you, you do that. And yet it's not mine. And the communication, the self-awareness and then the communication has made this relationship so easy. And I think because I also remembered that love of myself that I'm not entering into this relationship with fear. Mm-hmm. I genuinely, genuinely am free to show up and love him and just want nothing but the best for him. Mm-hmm. And not to feel scared that if I make myself vulnerable and tell him, you know, how much I care for him, that, oh, he might hurt me by leaving. No, if he leaves, that's his truth. That's his essence. And I want him to go and do his amazingness. And so it feels different because it's lighter. There's no uh, attachment or clinging. It's what's called a paribraha in yoga. That when I soften my hold, I have a free opening of energy coming and going and that's that's what's happening and he's beautiful (laughs) (laughs) bonus No, I I think that's the grand paradox of intimate relationships is to have this incredible, beautiful connection Mm -hmm. and still maintain your sense of identity and separateness and freedom Mm -hmm. that you both show up for each other and allow each other, again, chill bumps all up and down my body, Mm -hmm. you allow each other to be who you really are. Yes, absolutely. And you support each other and you love each other and you, um, just, you just bear witness to this beautiful being who happens to be sharing their experience with you. Yeah. And what an honor, what an honor and a privilege and a gift that you give each other. Yes, exactly. That's I have this amazing. in my head of people. Um, there was this movie, and I can't remember what it was called. It's like Tom Cruise, and he's standing on the woman's doorstep, and it's raining, and he shows up onto the door, and he she opens the door, and he yells, "You complete me!" You know? Oh, this yeah, yeah. That was with Renee Zellweger. I forget the name of the movie, though. Yeah. I feel that this movie has done damage. Oh, uh huh. Culturally, in that uh, culturally, I, I do believe that people are looking for someone to complete them, uh-huh. that they are ultimately incomplete and that someone's going to come around and they're going to make them whole. Right. And so this is how a lot of people enter into relationships. And so individual people, individual people, they do this and you one person, one person, but then they become on many levels enmeshed. Right. And so because they feel complete, they need one another, but we're humans. And so one person's going to want to go here. Another person's going to want to go here. And eventually it's going to plug and it's going to pull and it's going to create friction until they're torn apart and they Uh feel empty. Uh Whereas people who come into relationships whole, you're going to- Two holes. Yes. Two holes. They get to come together and they get to dance. Uh 
Uh-huh. They get to dance. One person can go here. The other person can go here and they can watch it and love it and honor it. And there's no tugging. There's no friction. There's no pull because they're whole already. And, and, and I also, I also say many, many times, you know, this, this, the math one plus one equals two, right? One, one I mean, people, one. people, people say that, but mm-hmm. I say one plus one, when you are two holes, yeah. you create infinity. Yes. There's like <laughs> one plus one equals infinity. When you are in your wholeness mm-hmm. that you can, um, you, you know, your sense of possibilities and opportunities and expansion is just limitless because mm-hmm. you're standing on your own and you're surrendering to whatever the universe is offering you. Yes. That's and whatever you're offering each other. Yes. It's so, so lovely. And it, it, again, back to, I think, many reasons why we're drawn to one another, Dawn. Um, I don't know if I've told you, but the number 11 is really special to me. I see, tell me it, that. I see it everywhere. Um, and we just had our 11-11, uh, November 11th, which was such a yes. cool day. <laughs> Lion's Gate. Yes, exactly. Lion's Gate. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course, full moon, and I'm a Taurus alive and well. So anyways, um, 11s, so like, here we go, right? Like, it's yeah. everything that just said and I feel the 11s are a gateway mm-hmm. and so it's that connection between our capital S self our higher wisdom our the God within all of us and our who we are right now in this moment the smaller S capital self the body and then you know the deep wisdom of mm-hmm. the connection outside of us and so every time I see 11s I feel it's a deep connection from that wisdom of my body and to the deeper wisdom of God and intuition and spirit and all of these great things. So everything you just said, in my opinion, is that essence of that, right? Of that opening up and we can open up with another person when we can open up in the way that we live our entire lives. Wow. I'm like breathing in a way that's so excited. Life gets so exciting. Yeah. It starts with opening, opening up to yourself. Totally. And I'm not kidding you. I feel like a million bucks just talking about this right now. <laughs> right. And it's like the yeah. things that we search for outside of ourselves, right? Like, Oh, I, my afternoon coffee, which I'm drinking right now and I enjoy it. I'm consciously choosing it, but you know, the things like, you know, medications or, you know, other relationships or activities or things that's like, well, I need this thing to feel good. Well, like, no, just this talking and remembering and feeling is making me feel like a million bucks. No drug can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe sex. Maybe sex. <laughs> well, I think, I think sex is one of the few places where you um, are so present. Well, you cannot be present in sex, right. but so. it gives you the opportunity to just be present and mm-hmm. connect mm-hmm. and be. Oh, yeah. The pure essence of sharing of love. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, it, like a meditative state too, can't it? Sometimes. Yeah. And I, I don't know, like I'm, I've just recently, like in the past couple years, really been exploring sort of the tantric side mm. of text. And it, 
of sex. And it, a lot is like this yoga lifestyle, really breathing and being in your body and being present and sharing this experience, this, this uh, energetic exchange with someone else, which, you know, not for me in this moment, but soon, whatever. Um, but having this opportunity to both give and receive in the way that we were born to do. I mean, we're not born to just be by ourselves and, you know, be separate. We're born to connect. We're born to have these beautiful, loving encounters with people um, because it helps all of us expand, right? Absolutely. And I, I think it sort of brings us back to the original thought that disconnection is at the root of human suffering uh-huh. because connection is innately what we all seek yes. and ultimately need. If you think about it primitively, if we were disconnected, if we were thrown out of the tribe of the group, we then were at risk for death. For death, literally. Yes. Yeah. And so it's so primitively driven within us to be connected. And so when we're disconnected from ourselves, from others, from spirit, um, from passion, we suffer. Yeah. And so what a beautiful thing to be able to open up a connection in any of those realms and ultimately all of those realms to bring back in that innate um, need and desire and um, ability to love mm. and be loved. And be loved. And mm. I, I think I, I was just talking to this this girl that I shared a cab with the other night, oh, I love it. Uh, talking, talking about this stuff. She was young and she was, you know, wanting some guidance. And um, I said, you know, we're oftentimes it's so easy or it's easier to give love. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know why, but it's easier to give love than to receive it for ourselves, to give it to ourselves. To, I mean, when you were talking about, you know, you, you came to this place of, I love and accept myself. And this is one of the big things that I talk about. If we were all brought up to say that to ourselves and mm-hmm. believe it and embody that, oh my gosh, could you imagine how amazing everyone would just live this beautiful um, expansive, passionate, joyful, satisfying, fulfilling life. Mm-hmm. It would just be incredible to have that love and acceptance. Yes. I think you just brought um, to light the solution and ultimately the resolution of suffering. Mm. And the result is world peace. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I say it in full truth. And no matter how dramatic it sounds, I feel that connection and the ability to connect is what we need to bring about world peace. These are the tools 
that will help change the world for the better. Yeah. And they're accessible and they're right within. I know it it all starts with you. Yeah. That's right. So I'm, I'm being conscious of your time. So, so I'm going to ask you my final question for now, because I feel like we could have many of these conversations anytime. (laughs) Here, (laughs) here, here, and, you know, by ourselves. (laughs) I I, I would love that. (laughs) Um, So, so the question that I like to ask my guests is how do you define real love? Mm. It's just a little question. I know. (laughs) I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is the word aparigraha. And aparigraha is one of the um, yamas and the niyamas. And the yamas and the niyamas are the two limbs, the first two limbs of the um, eight-limbed path of yoga. And they're Uh the commandments, the things that you do when you live a yogic life. Uh And aparigraha means non-attachment, it means non-hoarding, non-clinging, non-grasping. And it's the ability to love in a way that is allowing. Mm. And I feel that that's the very essence of love is to give, to offer, to receive, to let it free flow without any clinging, grasping, holding, manipulating, just allowing it to be. That's beautiful. Mm. It is, isn't it? <laughs> It really is. <laughs> it really, really is. Yeah. Like when you, when you allow it, it fills you up. It's like instead of clinging and constricting and, you know, um, contracting, it is that open, that open heart. Yeah. That open heart that allows you unlimited possibilities, unlimited love, unlimited everything to come to you. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. You are beautiful, Sarah. Oh, and so are you. (laughs) I have thoroughly enjoyed this. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. So I know that all of my listeners are going to go start taking yoga after listening to you. (laughs) If you live in Chicago, go see Sarah at Lululemon, Lincoln Park. Um, So how, how else for people around the world, because I have listeners all around the world, how can people find out more about you and your beautiful work and wisdom and light? (laughs) Thank you. Um, okay, so I have a website. It's um, www.sarahcunningham.com. And Sarah is spelled with an H. So it's S-A-R-E-H Cunningham.com. And um, I also have another website. My business is called Whole Life Wellness. And from that website, it links to it. So I'll spare you the URL on that one. Um, I'm on Instagram. I am passionate about that account. It feels like uh, an artistic expression of all of the things we've talked about today. Uh-huh. So that's a great place for um, for your listeners to connect and to get to see a little bit more about who I am and what I'm doing. And that is, and you have um, beautiful photos. I mean, your photos are amazing. Thank you. I appreciate Uh that. 
I love photography. Um, so it's again my name. So Sarah C Wellness. Okay. So Sarah C Wellness, all one word on Instagram. Yeah. Um, and then from the Instagram um, link in my bio, there are all of the different ways to get a hold of me. Email. Yeah. yeah Facebook. All of the yeah. Beautiful writings, beautiful photos, beautiful wisdom from beautiful Sarah. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so grateful. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so for all my listeners, of course, please subscribe and share with all of your friends. Um, I, I know that everyone is going to be inspired to, uh, open their hearts to more real love. (laughs) Um, and if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at The Awakening with Dawn. And as Sarah and I have talked about on you know various times during this podcast, is the most important relationship you will ever have is the one you have with yourself. Mm-hmm. So it all starts with you facing your mat. <laughs> right? <laughs> so thank you so much, Sarah, for being here. You're welcome back any, anytime. Thank you, Don. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, listeners. Uh, Every day, wake up to more real love. We'll see you next time. Take care. Bye.